Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Michael Zalavari, and today we are taking a look at the Le Mans 24-hour entry list, and joining me today, I have Oliver Trovis. Good evening. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning. Good morning. Good evening to you. Good e- Thank you. Thank you very much. We are doing... This is probably the biggest time difference that we have on Endurance Chat between the two of us, because at the moment, I believe it is... Ten and a half hours of time difference. It's You're called Antipodeans for a reason. Yeah, because so. we're on the other side of the damn well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is probably going to be the last podcast we do before all the daylight savings switch over around the world. So good goodbye time zones. It was nice to know you, uh, Lamont. Right? It's a thing that's happening, and it's happening later again this year. It's been moved back from its traditional June date once again to the 21st and 22nd of August. Uh, If you missed that news, that's to do with the Le Mans management and the ACO uh, taking steps to protect themselves against the COVID situation, but probably also financially taking care of themselves, try and ensure that there might be fans able to attend the race. Ollie, given the the opportunity, would you uh, try to attend the race in August? Uh, Yes, I always intend to. Uh, It's a priority. Um, of my limited numbers of days off I can take. Um, so yes, whenever I know the dates um, set in stone or, well, not really, nothing's ever set in stone, yeah. but um, yes, I, I do intend to make the trip. Just as a quick, just as a quick sidebar. Now that you've mentioned that, um, I have to do an additional course for my new job, and the two dates for this additional course is like a three-day intensive. The first one was the week of June, leading up to Le Mans, and so I said, "Oh no, I won't do that." Uh, and so the next choice was the week in August, now leading up to Le Mans. <laughs> uh, so I've been a little screwed here, but that's okay. We'll sort it out when it happens. Um, the Entry list got revealed during the week. Uh, I think it was a Tuesday um, for most of the world. Uh, and it really cleared up a lot of things. Of course, we had the conclusion of the Asian Le Mans series finishing off the auto entries. And then finally, the last entries to get sorted out were the invitationals. And we have got, again, for this year, 62 entries. So it will be, at least at this stage, a full modern Le Mans grid since they put in the two extra garages. Uh, so we do have, uh, at this stage... No reserve list. So there's a further announcement coming about the reserve list, but should we, we should we be worried about the lack of reserve list, list at this stage? I think the, the the rhetoric around it is that there weren't that many more entries over the 62. So there may not be many to fill up an entry, uh, a reserve list. It would be a bit embarrassing if you had a reserve list of one or two. So it might be, uh, because we have a longer time to wait until the race, um, more time to get some sort of later entry um, application in together. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about wh- who we think could be doing some something like that later on. <laughs> and again, it, it puts maybe a bit of concern on on the quality of the grid. If if you you've got you know sixty two to choose from, you're going to take all of them compared to if you get like last year or the year before around 80 um you get to be a bit more pick and choose on on the the higher quality entrance yeah absolutely and 
the fact that we're missing a few names that we should have expected to see, uh, we'll talk a bit more about that through the podcast. But otherwise, we are seeing a few names as well that we didn't expect to see. And we'll, talk, we'll make note of them as we come to them. Uh, so 62 entries, it is the maximum Le Mans grid. Uh, we're not missing any uh, empty garages, which is nice at this stage. Uh, we have... 30 prototypes and 31 GTE cars, which is pretty nice at even balance. And for the first time since 2016, there is also a Garage 56 entry, which is still for some reason called Garage 56, even though there's now 62 garages. Um, that is a uh, prototype. It's a modified Orica 07. We'll make mention, we'll talk a bit more about that at the end because that is a really, really cool project, uh, which we have seen at Le Mans before. Uh, the class split is uh, very heavily weighted towards the amateur teams, which is unsurprising considering uh, the brand new regulations for the top class and the significant drop in entries over the past few years for the GT Pro class. So we have five LMP1s, 25 LMP2 cars, seven GTE Pros and 24 GTE Ms. How does that balance feel for you? I mean, the the Proto GT balance is pretty good, but that's a lot of AM cars uh, in in some very big classes. Yes, um, it is a big shift um, as the the kind of genre of endurance racing shifts more towards Pro Am at the moment. Before hopefully the swathes of hypercars join in um, in the top class, and then potentially a, a converged GT top class mm. i think it you've just got to kind of be accepting of of pro-am racing and then once you look into it you can really find some high quality entertainment but also high quality sport yep. the the <laughs> some of these teams they are professional in everything but name yes you know um absolutely so the quality is there you've just got to maybe look a little bit harder for it yeah, and that's something that I think the greater sports car community does very well. I mean, uh, three quarters of the favorite teams for most of the people that we see as regulars in RSWEC and as listeners to the podcast have a favorite LMP2 or GTE AM team because they are a fan of a particular AM driver or a particular outfit. Um, it's really, I find something that's always... Uh, a challenge, but a nice challenge every year is kind of getting the chance to educate those who come in from other sports like, say, Formula One or IndyCar or with the recent interest from Australia, the Australians or whatever, whatever. Um, the, the opportunity to say, hey, look at these other classes. There might be names that you don't recognize, but there's still going to be a lot more complexity, a lot, a lot of driver quality that you might not have expected. So that's a really nice, nice thing. And amateur racing is kind of at the the center of what Le Mans is all about. I mean, you've got technological improvement on one side, great racing in the middle, which we all love to see, and then the amateur component of sports cars and the hi historical context around that as well. Yeah, you're you're selling yourself short if you're only give, if you're only tuning in for the top class or just Pro GT. Um the the quality is super high, but there is more than that uh, at, at Le Mans for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so we will start, we'll go through the, the classes in uh, speed order. So we'll start from the top and head down. Um, we've done this in different formats in the past, but this will be the easiest today. Uh, we're going to start talking about the first LM hypercars, the first run of the brand new uh, hypercar class at Le Mans. So these are going to be slightly slower than our LMP1 counterparts um, to the tune of around... 
five to six seconds a lap. We don't exactly know yet. They're predicting, they, they're trying, to, they were aiming for a three minute, 30 second race lap at, uh, for Le Mans, but we know race teams, they're going to undercut that by at least two or three seconds and then qualifying, they're going to go quicker again. Uh, we have, of course, two cars from Toyota Gazoo Racing, two cars from Glickenhaus Racing, and a grandfathered LMP1 car from Alpine, which we'll talk a little bit more in detail in a second. Firstly, the Toyotas, they've debuted their GR010 hypercar. Um, we've seen pictures of it testing, we've seen pictures of it in livery. It looked pretty nice. It looks like an evolution of the t so 50 just a bit heavier um and it's got the same drivers from last year it is the only hybrid in the class what should we expect from the toyota it's it's it really is going to be the star of the show i think yeah i i think expect the, the kind of quality of the tso 50 but just like everyone listening at home you know put on a bit of extra weight over the uh covid19 <laughs> period that's uh, a funny in one the form of <laughs> in the form of their gr010 hybrid um yeah i think they they will be less dominant because obviously the the balance of performance uh, formula now uh and also their advantages ha- have been uh taken away in terms of their insane acceleration yes out of corners i really hope that these tso 50s are are, are shown uh in future uh demonstrations or maybe some masters endurance uh, eventually when they uh, get old enough um if they're allowed yes. out of the museums. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, they really, like, it does shift your perspective on motorsport, watching yeah. these uh, rocket out of corners. But anyway, um, uh, with the rose-tinted glasses. <laughs> uh, you you were lucky. I, I have not been lucky enough to, I was never lucky enough to actually witness LMP1 uh, in person. I only, I've seen LMP2 in person, but I've never been able to get to an LMP1 race. So you lucky, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, hopefully, as these um, hypercars develop and as uh, more factory teams join, the kind of push forward will uh, get closer and closer to the knife edge of what they can do. So uh, in a couple of years time, coming from Australia, when you're finally allowed to um, get over to France, then um, uh, you can still see some pretty quick racing. Fingers crossed. The you did mention an important thing there in in all of that the the acceleration loss. So one of the regulations in the new LMH category is that the hybrid cars are not allowed to deploy their hybrid below I think it's 140 kilometers per hour, so they don't get that initial punch out of corners. And this is kind of going like back to the future here. We this was the regulations initially when LMP H. LMP1 H came about so we are kind of returning back to to that sort of format once again yeah and 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 this time they they're going around about it a different way to kind of bake in the smaller performance gaps and yeah. try and keep everything together rather than have it r- like a runaway train um in terms of costs and and things like that but um we'll see we haven't seen these these race yet um in uh, in action in anger uh, so we're yet to see but uh, how they apply the the balance of performance algorithms how the the three different formats of cars all shake out together you know we've got uh, an lmh hybrid we've got an lmh non-hybrid and then we've got a grandfathered lmp1 which originally was designed for a, a much faster performance window that has now had to be bodged back so 
uh, I have my doubts and concerns, but also if anyone can do it right, I think the team behind the FIA WEC can get it right with their auto BOP process that we've talked about a lot on this podcast in the past. Um, Whether the politics gets involved more because it's for overall race wins, we're yet to see. And it's the 24 hours of Le Mans, which has a bit of a shaky past with their GTE Pro balance of performance we'll we'll maybe talk about the the politics of that uh, and the timings of when we talk about gt pro yes. later on yes possibly let's talk about you mentioned the grandfathered lmp1 let's let's dive into that one so we've got a uh alpine elf matmut so basically signatech alpine stepping up from lmp2 to take over what was the rebellion r13 from last season so they bought that car and those assets and they'll be running that as a grandfathered lmp1 machine so just quickly ollie in like two sentences explain what grandfathered means in this context so you're you're taking an old regulation to design a car around and you're keeping that regulation to help um with the grid size it's a good opportunity for a team that owns that that to to make their asset more valuable in terms of lengthening the amount of time that they can run that um car yeah uh, and and also it, it's a good opportunity for you you mentioned a previous LMP2 team to step up um it's kind of like a, a gateway um to the top class yeah so i think i think it's a good uh, a good move yeah i i totally agree with that um it's it really is just a no pressure way for alpine to dip their feet into the top class because we know that that car is going to be heavily uh down tuned uh grandfathered cars tend to always be because the last thing the organizing body wants is their old regulations to beat their new regulations uh so they're really not gonna have the outright pace that they experienced as the rebellion r13 uh but it's alpine is a quality outfit and they've got a one name driver at the moment andre negrau so he's also a very good driver so I, i wouldn't be surprised to see this car uh perform Adequately, but unsurprisingly, maybe not behind, uh, sorry, not not in the mix with the outright pace of the Toyotas or the Glickenhaus cars. Yeah, I, I think the, there were a few problems here and there across the life of the Rebellion R13 um, story um, when run by Rebellion. They may move towards uh, more towards the LMP2 engine um okay rather than the previous one because the the, the previous uh lmp1 version of the gibson v8 um the reliability of the lmp2 engine is absolutely stellar um and if the 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 performance required from their engine at a lower power level achievable with the lmp2 outfit they may move towards that yeah uh, that's, to get a bit more reliability yeah they're they're basically adding loads of ballast to it um so maybe there's going to be yeah probably probably but or or change the fuel flow and things like that um we'll see if 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 that that massive ballast uh makes other things break in the suspension (laughs) but um they'll uh they'll find that out with some endurance runs uh in due course it's they've already been testing uh, and the signatech team they know what they're doing 
Absolutely. Uh, a team that perhaps may not know what they're doing, at least not in this context with these new cars, is the new Glickenhaus racing team. Glickenhaus has been a, a big story on our sub the last few weeks. Uh, Jim and the team from Goodrich Cameron Glickenhaus have done a really, uh, a really stellar job in getting us to feel like we're a part of the process. They've been sharing you know, behind the scenes things of tubs, of wings, of putting the car together, driving seats. They put, they shared its first run, like its first mobile event where it moved 20 meters down a driveway uh, with no bodywork on it. They've now shared its first test runs. They've done a really, really good job in, in making the process and making all the bits uh, feel uh, exciting to be a part of. Um, they've got two cars here. There were rumors and smatterings about a customer car being built, but that hasn't made it to the Le Mans entry list. Using their traditional 700 numbers that we know from the Nürburgring 24, they like to use those numbers out there. Uh, two lists of drivers at the moment with Gustavo Menezes and Ryan Briscoe. However, it has been announced previously that uh, the additional drivers for the squad will be Peter Durrani, Romain Dumas, Oliver Pla. Uh, Richard Westbrook, and then a guy by the name of... Oh, I can't... Was it Frank Mayo? Yes, Frank Mayo, who I've never heard of before, um, but they're still sorting out where those drivers are going to go. Uh, ex- exciting project, you've got to say. It, I'm keen to see how they go. What, what, do you, what have your thoughts been on the way that Glickenhaus has shared the project so far? <laughs> Bit of a touchy subject for someone who's bought. <laughs> yeah, fair. I wouldn't know. Oof, um, oof. <laughs> Everyone F's in the uh, chat for Ollie. Exactly. Imagine uh, getting no, blocked I... by a team leader on Twitter. <laughs> uh, for, for not being critical in any way <laughs> um, of, of the way they go around things. Just praising uh, another company for doing things differently. Anyway, yes, I think there's been some some good movement to towards uh, this entry doing better than expected i think a lot of people didn't really um back don't they, they don't really back this entry as being uh you know a proper contender compared to what we've seen recently with toyota gazoo racing and the amount of testing that they've been mm. churning out um at several different tracks the the later entry uh or the later date of the 24 hours kind of gives them more time to do more running though so if there's anything that gets shaken out before homologation or if they can tweak anything after homologation, they're going to find it yeah. most likely. Yeah, um, and it's interesting that you bring that up because initially they were not planning on running at Sebring. They were not planning on running at Algarve. Uh, but now with the start of the season being pushed back to the last week of April with uh, Spa-Francorchamps, they might actually start the season there. Uh, and that's due in fact, uh, due in part to the fact that it's a five-year homologation cycle. So you're kind of stuck with the car you have as soon as, you, as soon as you're finished with it, basically. Yeah, and they've got to make sure that they've got it right. Um, Absolutely. Because otherwise, they're just going to be um, is, is, stuck. Is the Toyota... GR010 uh, homologated yet? No, not yet. Ah, um, interesting, interesting. Uh, uh, I do not believe so. Um, I think the... Um, yes, yeah, so the, the Portimao entry list uh, at the time of um, publication before the move, date move, had the entry still with an asterisk uh, next to it uh, subject to the car's homologation. Yeah. So... 
I don't believe they've homologated it yet. They're still doing some re testing recently. So still um, tweaking some bits and seeing the changes. Uh, and then they'll do a round of testing, including wind tunnel tests and things like that, getting parts all measured up and scanned to make sure that they all fit uh, within the regulations. Awesome. Uh, so that is your LMP1 class for Le Mans. Oh, not LMP1. See, I made that mistake as well. LMH class for Le Mans. That's going to be an adjustment. Uh, so this is going to be the debut of a new formula, a debut of new cars at Le Mans. I, understandably, it is a slower spec than what we had last year with LMP1H and what we've had in the past with LMP1H. Uh, but it's still a brand new formula with two brand new cars. Uh, are the cars going to be reliable enough because we see every single time there's a big regulation change, reliability immediately comes to the forefront. Is that still going to happen with the cars being slower and heavier than what they were previously? I think the, the they know the targets that they that they're trying to meet. Um, and in Toyota's example, they they've been around for so long. If you move the targets, they're still they've got the processes in place to be able to meet those targets with all of the, these testing. And, you know, if you do a 36 hour continuous test, you're going to find out <laughs> if your car can do 24 yeah, hours. Absolutely. So, um, especially at Sebring, which I'm pretty sure did Toyota do a test at Sebring or am I just making that up? I know they, they did used the, to. I yeah. Think. I know they did with the TSO 50. Yes. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, obviously we, we've got a trouble right now to travel. Yeah. So I don't think anyone would be going to Sebring right now. Um, I mean, right now they would be because it's the 12 hours of Sebring coming up and they're running supports this weekend, but not from Europe. From the, the civilized world, no. Oh, um, oh. I mean, come on. It's Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cookie's rolling in his sleep right now. Uh, so, yeah, um... Long tests. Uh, other cars going to be reliable enough? What were we, what were we talking about? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they know what they 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 know what they're doing. Let's not forget also the people that are designing the Glickenhaus car that are podium technologies. They've done for years the Glickenhaus cars that go racing around the Nurburgring, and just like you mentioned with cars testing on Sebring and finding things and that that break another place around the world where you want to find something that breaks is going to be on the Nordschleife racing for 24 hours. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. these guys, they, they know how to meet uh, what they need to do. Um, they know what they have to do to go about it. And then looking at the, the Alpine, uh, that base has been tested over several years, uh, twenty four in, in competition somewhere. for 24 hours. Um, that specific um, LMP1 version. And then, you know, backed by Orica, who they pretty much know what they're bloody doing. So um, I I expect maybe one car to have a have a proper problem. Um, but that, yeah, I think it's... I think the they're not pushing the boundaries as much yeah. as, as LMP1 was as well. So they they're kind of maybe a bit more comfortable. They're less comfortable in terms of the time frame um, of of getting things ready in time, but uh, I think they're 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 in a good spot. Yeah, and uh, it, it 
it's a good point you make there about they're not not really shooting for the moon. Uh, I I will just sort of counter that by saying uh, even cars uh, such as you know in the twenty seventeen race where we had five LMP one cars run into dramas like the entire LMP one field was in shambles. Uh, and that's you know proven outfits from Porsche and proven outfits from Toyota. It's a it's a it's a lot. Uh, there are a, a number of unknowns, even though the, the performance band is a bit lower. Uh, on that note of the performance band, uh, we've noted that it's going to be balanced performance as well. With this in mind, does Glickenhaus actually have a chance? I think they do. Um, I think they have a better shot than the what SMP uh, and rebellion had in recent years in terms of the balance of performance now we can have our doubts of balance of performance but also maybe the way that um the slight uh regulations benefit a hybrid complexity um in a in an lmh uh, platform you know we we've had for years the the toyota that's able to pull away from the pit box on its e-motors alone which means that there's no clutch slip and and they can go away from the uh, the the pit box uh, with a ridiculous acceleration you know these little time savers that over 24 hours with how many pit stops they make these things add up um there there is also mention of of um tire wear uh, and sharing the the load from um the uh, combu- the uh, propulsion um, across the four tires rather than just going through the rear tires. Yeah. Um, things like that that, that, that all shake up. They're, now, these margins are going to be smaller than, than with LMP1, um, but they're still baked into the regulations. Now, it's something that Glickenhaus is going to have to overcome, but, you know, we, we had problems in the last few years at Le Mans with with the Toyotas maybe little sensor issues things like that if they need to go into the pits for a minute or two to get something changed to um to tweak something uh then that will give the 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 Glickenhaus the lead and that's assuming that they're going to be behind in the balance of performance yeah so this is this is going to be a very interesting thing because you know while uh, Toyota have been at Le Mans for the past oh god it's 10 years it'll be their 10th edition in a row that the, the Toyota Gazoo racing team has been at Le Mans damn wow that went quick um, on the other hand Glickenhaus is going to be bringing their team for the first time but they're not actually going to be bringing their team for the first time they've got uh, in partnership with uh, the team, I believe it's well. One of them that I definitely remember off the top of my head is Yoast Racing. So Yoast is going to be there as part of the LMH program. So they will probably be the ones running the team, which is a huge pickup for them. Despite the recent efforts in uh, DPI with Mazda, which has resulted in a little bit of brain drain from the Yoast organization, but still, still good people there. Um, and then secondly, Sauber Advanced Technologies are going to be there as well. So uh, they're going to be as part of the the development um, and sort of uh, aerodynamic work for the SCG's 007. So they're not messing around. They're not messing around at all, uh, is Glickenhaus. And it kind of shows to me at least the difference between what Jim is doing with his team right now versus maybe what Lawrence did with the Janetta? 
um, I, I'm not sure if I, I actually said this in, well, I'm, I'm not sure how far I, I went into this in the uh, uh, chat about the Janetta program, um, but really that car could have been, could have had better drivers in it and a better team running it, uh, which wouldn't have cost that much in comparison to, you know, developing and building a goddamn car and would have been way, 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 way better than what we've got. It looks like Glickenhaus has seen that and gone, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to throw money at it to get the best people that I can in order to build something competitive. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we specifically talking about it, but, you know, there were glimmers of, of hope um, in terms of the Janetta program um, from testing and having specific people from um, factory LMP1 history uh, setting up the car and and you know putting in extremely competitive lap times all it needs is someone to to back that those engineers and and put a put a team of engineers around those cars that was something that wasn't done uh in the the team lnt days mm. um i think the graham goodwin is a an advisor to both or maybe was uh for Ginetta. Uh, and I, I believe is for, for Jim. And, you know, it's something obvious. You you say you want to do this properly. Well, then you've got to get the proper people. Yeah. And Yoast, they are that. You know, you mentioned the, the, the stint in DPI. I think there's this disconnect there where Yoast in America is slightly different to the Yoast um, that we know and love from history at Le Mans, which is the German team. Okay. Um, some of the videos that... that uh, Glickenhouse posted on Twitter, for example, have the the mechanics doing pit stop practice in German, um, huh. which is a nice um, reassuring sign. And then you mentioned Sauber. I don't think they would be actually doing much track side. I think their delivery is is the the design of the bodywork. Um, maybe they'll have someone um, working with the race engineers on the aero setup. Uh, track side um because there's no in-season development there's yes. no feedback that they can take back to then doing like a feedback loop to to inform the design of new components yeah um that is unless they get like a joker or, yeah, or something okay. um, i think they get two them. jokers in five years so nothing that they're going to be using too quickly on this is a, a very obvious flaw with the design and yes, we've got a yes, comment in yeah. chat from Zodiac Error saying uh, Glick uh, talking about the Sauber wind tunnel. Sauber have a 60% scale wind tunnel and Glickenhaus is very much going to be making use of that. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, he said in, in chat that, that they can use the Sauber wind tunnel. Anyone could use the Sauber wind tunnel. They just have to pay uh, You can, yeah, exactly. So long as there's a slot, yeah. loads of teams and and oems uh, use that that sour wind tunnel yeah um they they just know how to use it and get the most out of it uh, yeah. because it's in-house absolutely uh so so we've concluded that glick probably has a chance uh final question about lmh before we move on we've got to move on because we're already running behind alpine alpine or we've mentioned alpine they're running the lmp1 from last year it's grandfather it's going to be slow what are they getting out of a le mans tilt and the WEC season for this season. What are they doing here? So this is a presumed uh, setup for um, joining the hypercar class with a new regulation car, whether that be an Le Mans hypercar or uh, an LMDH car. They have a, a nice amount of leverage to play 
politi- politically with the ACO. Because if you are, yeah, well, they're French. We're having a first French top class car entry in a long time, which is worth a lot. Yeah, they have that carrot uh, at the end of the stick, um, dangling in front of the ACO, saying, "Come on, help us out here. Uh, we're undecided." wink wink about joining doing designing a new car uh if you help us out then we might join so there's another one yeah i think they have a, a, a lot of leverage to play with the aco to to get a fair balanced balance of performance and uh who knows though if they get a bad balance of performance maybe they think oh we can't compete uh against an lmh we need to get an lmh who knows mm. Interesting. Do they have a chance at winning? Is it possible? I mean, every car on the entry list. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I mean, like Don Bastion, the GTEM's not going to win this race. You're talking about top class cars here. If things go awry for the new LMHs, the Alpine's going to be in the prime position, right? Unless they pull it by collars, but they they could pick up a smoky here. Sure. I mean, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you seem you sound very unconvinced. I love it. Well, so, no, I'm convinced that in in the in the use case or the scenario where you already explained that the other four cars break down. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, All they have fair. to do is get, be a little bit faster than P2s, which are being held back a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, there there's so many different scenarios that could happen. Yeah, I can see it happening. <laughs> fair sure. enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's move on to LMP2. So we have uh, 11 full season entries plus a further 14 cars for a total of 25 cars. We also have, for the first time uh, in the LMP2 class, 11 Pro-Am cars uh, and 11 silver entries. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the tail end of this uh, this segment. But let's jump through the, the WEC entries First, uh, we have uh, the Ricard Mule Racing Team with a number one on the side of the car. This is the team stepping up from the European Le Mans Series. Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flersch, Bates We've seen them work in L- the European Le Mans Series. They took a top 10 last year at Le Mans. Thoughts, hopes, dreams in three words? Uh, better than last year, maybe. Um, there were quite a few reliability problems and um, for other top top entries last season uh, last year at the 24 so maybe they'll they'll get better as they've more experienced in a endurance racing and be driving that specific car yeah um because they were pretty new to um prototypes last season uh yeah did very well uh, though did very they, well they could get better yeah yeah, uh, we're just going to basically, the, the the ones that we've seen previously, we're just going to basically rattle through because uh, we are running a little bit behind. Uh, high Class Racing returning. This has Dennis Anderson and Jan Magnussen. So this is meant to be like the Dane car from last year that never really got on the ground. Um, the name that's missing from from that for me is uh, Anders Fjordback. What happened to him? So he is on the second High Class Racing entry. So they kind of spread the the high class a bit thinner to try uh, and get a second entry yeah nice cool okay i see him down there we'll talk a bit more about yeah, that a little later on dragon speed usa returned to the wec with heinrich hedman juan pablo montoya and ben hanley so montoya jumping in to that one as the third driver which has normally been a guido Vandergaard or a nicola lapierre in elms competition um they haven't been in the wc for a little while have they um no they they not these um, not this set of drivers sorry 
No, so so yeah, the, these drivers have. Um, uh, well, Henrik Hedman had his stint in LMP1. Um, yes, and Ben Hanley had his stint in uh, a bit of uh, Ginetta action. Juan Pablo Montoya is good. Good return again. Um, yep. he, he's been invited a lot uh, to uh, Le Mans and uh, Dragon Speed. Obviously, they used to be in um, LMP2 for the WEC. Remember the the, the Mexican yep. flag, red and green and white car. Yep, that was the um, but now uh, they're back. Gonzalez car. Correct. Yeah. Um, so now they're back. Yeah. Yeah. It is. They also used to race in the ELMS uh, back in the old ELMS uh, colours as well. So it's kind of good to see. Uh, yeah, Hanley and Hedman back together again in a P two car. I think Hedman is much better in a P two than he ever should have been in a P one. Uh, but anyway, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, United Autosports, one of three United Autosports car, and we'll talk more about that uh, a little later on. Uh, this is the car that won the championship last year. Phil Hansen, Felipe Albuquerque, joined by Fabio Scherer because Phil Hansen's now a gold. Yeah, and so they get a, a DTM hand-me-down oh, uh, yeah. to be a, a, a super silver for them. Yeah, imagine just being like, oh, you're racing in DTM and still a silver driver. Want to race an LMP2 car? That's just, it's mental. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. But it's in the rules, so it's fine. Yoda Sport have two cars for the WEC. Uh, one car, which we just saw recently at the uh, Asian Le Mans series, uh, with Sean Galeo, Stoffel Van Dorn, and Tom Blomquist. So that should be a very strong car, all things considered, especially considering how Herculean Galeo's uh, redemption arc was over the two weekends. Uh, and the other Yoda Sport car is the Roberto Gonzalez... Uh, Oh, I've lost it on my screen. Where's it gone? Roberto Gonzalez. Antonio Felix Costa. Yep. Uh, and Anthony Davison, which is the car that ran in the WC last season. Ridiculously strong team. I oh, mean, my four God. Platinums right. And a Formula 2 driver. And Gonzalez is probably one of the best actual silver drivers that exists. Exactly. Like, holy shit. They, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Setting up uh, a team. <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, Racing Team Netherlands as well returned. The same driver lineup as last year. Fritz van Erd, Guido van der Garde, and Job van Oetert. Uh Cheers for the Dutchies in the chat. Um, uh, now, here's an interesting one. Team WRT, their debut in LMP2 machinery. Uh, they've got a full season entry lined up with Robin Freins, Ferdinand Habsburg, which we've just seen do great things in the Asian Le Mans series, and Charles Malesi, who's a very impressive pickup from uh, last year. He raced at in Graf as a 19-year-old silver driver fresh out of French and German Formula 4, I think. Uh, team WRT, we normally see them as an Audi factory team. They have dipped their toes into... Le Mans before. I recall an LMP2 entry a few years ago uh, which in which Lawrence Vantour had a seat in and quite possibly also uh, an old American driver whose name I can't place before. Um, what do we make of WRT's entries to Le Mans and the WEC? This is basically what I was referring to when we were talking about um, entries in Pro-Am being professional mm. um, in everything but name. This is this is what I'm talking about. We had pictures from a test day where someone was next door to Team WRT in the pit lane and everyone was kind of crowded around watching in awe of how this team was operating. And they were also in LMP2, these, these people gathering around. So, 
yes, they are not playing around and they've got the, the driver lineup to, to match. Yeah. The thing that is kind of piquing my interest is that this is a factory Audi team, right? WIT, uh, Audi R8. Not yet. <laughs> In terms of LMDH, not not, not yet. But that's, uh, that's, yes. that's what I was getting at. You know, uh, Audi joining LMDH, they're going to be there soon. This could be decent data gathering slash, hey, we, you should pay us to run your shit. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're proving themselves. Um, they're, they're, and they're proving their potential worth to um, the powers that be at, at Audi Motorsport that they can really do it in ACO racing. They've proven themselves in GT3 racing. They've proven themselves in DTM. Yeah. Yeah. Now they just need to tick some boxes and just get over the line. Yeah, for for the uh, for what will be the the future of Audi's top class uh, tilt at Le Mans. Also, uh, jumping up, f- jumping up from uh, the ELMS, uh, which is good to see. It's into Europol competition. The the Bakers, uh, Jakob Smokowski, Renga van der Zand, and Alex Brundle. That's probably the the best pair of pros that team has seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, Renga is 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 really good and impressive um, in prototypes and is going strength to strength in terms of racing in IMSA. Alex Brundle, safe pair of hands, and Jakub Smichowski is... Um, he, he's impressive. He, he's He's been growing as a silver driver. Mm. Um, I think he's he's one of the kind of actual silvers, as it were. Yes. So isn't pushing the boundaries of the, the silver driver ranking class, but yeah, he, he's he's pretty good. So once he gets his, his drive time out of the way, which I think is six hours... Yes. Um, minimum then um it's it's a strong entry absolutely uh and interestingly as well that's one of two ligiers in the list we'll uh talk uh no it's not oh no it's It's, not they've moved to an orca now (gasps) yeah no that's betrayal well i mean that's that's a smart move and astute from a performance point of view but they they were just always in a ligier that's fine they can be in an orca someone hasn't been watching the uh imsa Don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. Another, <laughs> oof, uh, another team that we are used to seeing in some other ACO ladder series, uh, ARC Bratislava. Now, this is definitely in Eligier, uh, so I got that one right. Um, the only named driver for ARC Bratislava is Miroslav Kornopka, which is entirely unsurprising. Um, recent tilt in the Janetta P3 at the Agent Le Mans series didn't quite go to plan for them, um, but it'll be good to see um, ARC Bratislava back on the list. The last thing I remember that seeing from them at Le Mans was a car very slowly over the course of about an hour and a half making its way back to the the uh, pits in the middle of the night after a crash and then an electrical failure and 20 minutes behind the barriers. So good to see them back at Le Mans properly. Yeah, I, I think this is like a the, the little team that could mm. that, that we're going to be watching. Um, look out for them maybe using the Garage 56 crane to lift <laughs> Miroslav Konopka in and out of the car. Oh, um, that's brutal. Uh, I I think he he's someone who um, may be the worst ranked in on paper in as a driver. I, I remember watching him doing GTE lap times at the start on an empty track um, at uh, Le Moyne twenty eighteen, I think um, maybe or twenty nineteen um, in in the Ligier. Uh, I think. 
it's it's a shame to to not have a professional uh, style team running a Ligier to, to show what they can do like United used to do um, because the these is it isn't the best team to be running uh, a car at the knife edge of performance but I mean I can't complain it's or they can't complain they're having fun driving at Le Mans so absolutely and how dare you a slight Miroslav Konopka is one of the worst bronze rated drivers this is a Palenga reigning champion Miroslav Konopka Hate. <laughs> for those for those who don't know uh, the the uh, Palanga thousand and six kilometer is a bit of a cult classic at uh, for us at WEC R slash WEC and uh, his team is quite good. Final car for the WEC full season entry is the real team racing car. It's another Orica, uh, a new team as far as I'm aware to the WEC and LMP two question mark. Um, Featuring Esteban right. Garcia, Loic Duval, and Norman Nato. That's a pretty intense team for someone who's going to be new to LMP2 uh, for for the WEC. It's a pretty intense driving yeah, lineup. They they they've uh, gradually been stepping up um, from LMP3 um, in ELMS uh, and um, probably Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yep. I I, I kind of like this entry. Um, in terms of them managing to get the the, the driver lineups, the pro drivers, it, it kind of feels like what Cool Racing were, where they've mm. got um, a bronze driver, where a not so good um, driver in terms of uh, uh, for Cool Racing, Coigny. Uh, um, so this time they've they've still got a bronze driver, but they've got some really good. Uh, pro drivers around it so it may be the case that if they get uh, their um drive time out of the way early and and maybe some safety cars that bunch up the field then this could be a a, a sneaky um entry uh, later on in the race yeah so we'll definitely keep track of that so that completes the wec entry so there's 11 that we've seen for the wec then there's a number of auto invites and significantly a number that haven't been taken up for the LMP2 class because most of them have been taken up by one team. So in addition to their WEC full season entry, United Autosports are bringing along a further two cars. So uh, one of them is currently listed with Paul DeResta as the driver, which is unsurprising considering his affiliation. The other one has Nicolas Jamin, which is a little a bit of a surprise. Jamin was last in the Graf Racing car, the SO24 by Graf Racing, if I recall correctly from last year. And I'm just trying to find it on my spotter's guide from last year. He wasn't in that car. Okay, I definitely definitely a name I recognise. He's watched... a mainstay in the LMS grid. Yeah, yeah. I, I tr- I'm trying to figure out where he was last racing. Anyway, that's not really important. What is important is that despite bringing two car, two additional cars, Idec. Uh, pardon? Oh, Idec. Thank you. Maybe Idec. Yes. I can't remember for sure, but maybe. Anyway. No. We digress. You lied to me. You lied to me. Anyway. Um. Oh, it was Panas. Panas racing. That makes total sense. Cause, That's the one. Yeah. They're all the same. They're, they're all French. Yeah, but the Frenchies being Frenchies, you know how it is. Um, United Autosports won five additional entries to go with their WC full season entry. The fact that they're only bringing two cars is a little bit of a surprise, but I wonder whether or not the ACO basically said, no, you cannot bring more after that. So, for the record, the six entries that they could have brought were the 
WC full season entry, uh, which is going to Le Mans anyway, an automatic invite for winning the LMP2 class at Le Mans last year, an automatic invite for placing first in the ELMS LMP2 championship, and for placing second in the ELMS LMP2 championship, and for winning the LMP3 ELMS championship, and for winning the LMP3 Asian Le Mans series championship. So six possible cars they could have brought. The last 18 months of United Autosports have been summed up by the single word domination. Have you ever seen a dominant spell from a single team across a variety of entries like that ever before? Before you said variety of entries, I was going to say Toyota Gezu Racing, but... um... I mean, or, did Toyota win Dakar or some rally? Oh yeah, stuff? yeah, they they've done some other stuff uh, at Gazi Racing, um, but uh, and and I guess uh, GT4 now as well. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The the synonymous for you might as well put it in the in the dictionary definition for domination, putting United Autosport down that. It's ridiculous, and, and they've got so much behind the scenes uh, to to propel this team to their, what they're doing. You know, it's not by accident. Absolutely, uh, and the interesting thing to me is I remember talking about United Sport, United Autosport in. 2019, the first year they put in the extra garages, specifically because United Autosport was very pissed off they only received one entry to Le Mans. They didn't receive a second entry because they hadn't won any additional ones. So the the transition from 2019 having one entry at Le Mans, one initial entry at Le Mans, and they erected some tents for them, uh, to 2020 having their overall winner, or their P2 overall winner, rather, to now six automatic invites. That's, they they went hard. Now, if if this ever happens again, where they're snubbed, as it were, a little bit, they have the equity, you know, of, of entries that they turned down, as it were, because they had so many. Mm. Um, maybe if they wanted to do uh, some uh, GT stuff in future, um to to practice uh for maybe doing some gt things it's a great opportunity to say hey hang on a minute <laughs> we we gave we allowed you to give your entries to the French. other teams exactly yeah so they they they've done a great job and the question i guess will be when we come to the actual entry list podcasts uh come august uh can anyone beat them and there are a few teams to be fair just looking now at this um but that's that's going to be something that we have to see throughout the season other automatic invites for the lmp2 category have been won by g drive for winning the asian Le Mans series lmp2 category uh so they uh arrive with the 25 car which won that entry uh which features john fowl petro fittipaldi and rui deandre uh What's his? Uh, I've forgotten his full name. Uh, on the entry list is r- listed as Rui Andrada, but I know there's more in the middle. Um, G Drive also have an invite invitational entry, uh, which we might as well talk about now, uh, in which they have currently got Roman Rusinov and probably the best driver from the Asian Le Mans series, Franco Colapinto. So, uh, G Drive, traditionally known as the Evil Empire in LMP2, they've still got some decent quality. John Falb is not going to be of any 
strong pace, but that's why he's in the Pro-Am category, which we haven't really mentioned so far yet. Yeah, for sure. The the, the 26 is the one that's going to be more likely at the pointy end. Uh, they've their, their, their merry-go-round of Super Silvers has... Um, Hit Found another spot, one potentially, yeah, with uh, Frank Colapinto. So uh, they're going to be ones to watch for sure. The last automatic entry is the PR1 Mathiason uh, Patrick Kelly Jim Truman Award winning car from IMSA. Uh, that is going to be driven by Patrick Kelly. Uh, well, sorry, Patrick Kelly was the Jim Truman Award winner. There we go. I got there in the end. Uh, no further named drivers in that car yet, um, but. Uh, what are your thoughts on where that car might sit come the end of 24 hours? Uh, bottom half. Top half? You, you know, bottom half. Oh, bottom half. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm expecting them to build those slots maybe with some pay drivers. Yeah, just have a nice drive in countryside France. Yeah, wouldn't be a bad bad time for it. Late summer. You know, exactly. The romant- a bit romantic. Um, so let's talk about the extras because there's a lot of extras. We made mention that there was what eleven automatic, uh, eleven WC cars. We've talked about now th- four automatic entries. That still leaves thirteen cars to talk about. Uh, and we'll start with the only team to be uh, to get two extra invites for some reason. Uh, I'd export. Uh, so this was a pretty. Uh, fairy tale story last year with the two cars suffering awful practice uh, accidents and then actually recovering to decent positions. Uh, we have the number seven car, which is effectively the ERA motorsport team from the Daytona 24 Hours, uh, featuring Dwight Merriman, Kyle Tilley, and Ryan DL. So, same driver lineup. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be the same livery as well, not the crayons, but the one that they ran in the ELMS, uh, sorry, Asian Le Mans series. Uh, and then the other one is the traditional uh, Frenchies being Frenchies with Paul Lafargue, Paul Loupchatin, and Patrick Pillay, uh, who drove for that car last year as the the very late substitution. At export, expecting heaps. It's like the the second From car, the, the forty yes. car, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 solid. Um, the the second car, yeah. Yeah. Uh, G-Drive, uh, we mentioned them, uh, that's also, uh, the John Falb car is the Algarve Pro car, because John Falb is Algarve Pro, that was a point that I missed in that little discussion, um, so that's, uh, another thing to cover off. Team WRT, we mentioned their WC full season car, they also have another car for Le Mans only, with the only listed driver, oh, sorry, a, a trio of listed drivers, pardon me, uh, Robert Kubica, Louis Delatras, and Yefe Ye, so, uh, another one from the G-Drive, uh, stable from the Asian Le Mans series, Louis Delatras. Delatraz, uh, I've definitely heard his name before, and I, in my mind, I have... LMP1. He was. I see, in my mind, I knew that that was a driver that I should know. So, Rebellion Racing last year, a very accomplished driver. And then the Gigapoo is on the grid. Finally. He's made it. He's made it. Has this been, like, I'm not sure. Has this been a a dream for Kubica? Um... It would probably be a dream for most racing drivers. I mean, unless you're Lewis Hamilton, but screw that guy. Oof. That's what he said. That's what he said when Nico Hockenberg came back with his Le Mans 24-hour trophy. He's like, I don't care about Le Mans. I'm like, what? Oof. Yeah, and then you have a look at Sebastian Vettel, who was asking about the 2016, what happened uh, in the last portion of the race that he couldn't follow. Because he was too busy racing a Formula 1 car. <laughs> exactly. And then you saw his reaction 
filmed. I, I wish all of our reactions in 2016. Oh my filmed. god, we I there still exists somewhere the chat log from the IRC chat room of the end of the 2016 race, which also included all the malarkey between the Ford GT and the Rizzi Competizione GTE cars uh, about the number lights and the penalties and all that sort of stuff. It is a read. Um, I'm pretty sure it's linked in the best of 2016 results thread. If you want to search that in on r slash WEC, if you've ever got a free afternoon, reading that is like an exercise in depression. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. Uh, the next, uh, we've already mentioned the high-class racing with the full-season car. They've also got a additional invite to Le Mans. Oli very pointedly uh, noted that Anders Fjordback had been placed in that car. Uh, SO24 by Graph Racing are also back again. Uh, they were one of the breakout cars last year before breaking out into the tyre barrier at the Porsche Curves, unfortunately. Uh, they have listed uh, Vincent Capillier as their driver and also listed in the Pro-Am category. So we're expecting a bronze driver to step into that car for Le Mans. Uh, who else we still got? Duquesne, another French team. Uh, they've got René Binder, uh, Guillermo, Guillermo Rojas, which is Memo Rojas, and Tristan Gomedy. That's a surprisingly competent team. Uh, I know, like, you know, we mean Frenchies being Frenchies, but Duquesne, Duquesne's been one of your little uh, happy projects uh, that you like to keep track of uh, over the years, hasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, I think they're, they're, they've been gradually growing. Uh, I think they've maybe missed or, or gone down a step because remember when Roman Dumas was airdropped into that one. Yes. Um, I think that was where, when I first properly started following that team uh, as a sleeper for, for a good result. Renault Bender, he's okay as a silver. Um, he remember did some, some time with Bicolis in LMP1. Yeah. Memo Rojas, former uh, ELMS champion. And, um, Tristan Gomondi's pretty bloody good too. Uh, this will look a little bit different. Um, they've moved to a black and green from uh, black and blue. Ooh. So look out for that. That's kind of cool. Oh, no, but I like the black and blue. Oh, well. Green highlights. Anything that makes a car stand out is always a good time. Uh, another French team, Panas Racing. Of course, you can't have a Le Mans without Panas Racing. Uh, Panas... I, I've forgotten his first name, and I'm trying to find it on the entry list because I'm all over the place this evening. Olivier Planus. Yes. Is it? O o o Olivier, yeah. Yeah, Olivier Planus. Oh, yeah, it's my name. Oh, there you go. Um, runs a team. Julie, Julian Canal, who's the list of driver in that team, literally owns the McDonald's that is on uh, in Le Mans or in uh, Tertre Rouge or just around that corner. So he, like, he is Le Mans born and bred. So you can't have a you can't have a uh, Le Mans twenty four without a McDonald's clad Orica 07 uh, driven by Julian Canal. Uh, it's in between the chicanes. Thank you for filling that in for us, uh, Wes Wesset F one uh, or Wesset F uh, as he is now known in uh, the Discord server. Uh, and then we've got two very interesting teams to round out the LMP two invites. Firstly, Racing Team India uh, being run by Eurasia. So they're listed on the entry. Um, so this is the team that was put together very late on the piece of the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, they are running the same driver lineup, I would expect, perhaps. Uh, currently listed Narain Karthikane and Arjun Maini with no bronze, but we would expect um, Naveen Rao. Naveen maybe. Rao, yeah. yeah. 
Um, interestingly, that's being run by Eurasia, uh, which is running a Ligier. So they're not uh, they're not running the Orica that they were running. Uh, I think it was was it TDS who were running, or it was Algarve? No, I, I, it was Algarve. Yeah. yeah. Um, who were all running that card in the Age of the Mon series. So they put that program together pretty nicely. Interesting to see them get an invite in their first season of existence, really. Yeah, I think this was one of the speculative ones yeah. where the, the team just see see if they get let in. Um, but because of the, the entries, was, uh, applications were so low, they were given a shot. Um, interestingly, so you've mentioned the two gold drivers and then the, 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 the driver free. Because they've been put down as a pro-am, that, that's got to be a bronze driver. Yeah. Unless they change the entry. But I think Rao was a silver huh, okay. uh, in Asian Le Mans series. So we might see a, a difference there. Um, Any up-and-coming bronze it's Indian drivers you know of? Nope. Okay. Well, we'll put a pin in that one. We'll come back to that probably for the actual entry podcasts that we do in August. And the final card to round out the LMP2 entry is Risi Competizione, the card that we've traditionally seen being run for GTE Pro. Um, they've jumped into an Orica 07 with Ryan Cullen and Oliver Jarvis. So Jarvis we've seen in Risi cars before. Um, Ryan Cullen, now that's uh, Performance Tech Motorsports in LMP2 and IMSA, right? Yeah, so the, he he's been doing a lot. So this is his car. He owns this car, okay, and then takes it to teams to operate. So previously he's done that with United, then to Dragon Speed, and then I think mid season in ELMS he he left Dragon Speed, um, moved to Algarve, and then did the G Drive, which was operated by Algarve. Ah, oh, yes. Um, so it's a bit of a complicated timeline, and. It looks like he's gone to Jota Sport for this time, so another different team, to operate this entry and then put it under the, the name Rissi Competizioni. So it's kind of Jota Competizioni, I guess. Um, what a weird... And I believe they they need to do different um, entry names anyway, hence why you've got the United Sports USA and then the United U- Autosports kind of thing. Yeah. So they can't, in theory, call it jota again um so they need to put something together and then yeah it's a little bit of fun uh having risi competizioni on the name and have a red uh orica i don't think we've seen a, a car like that um with so much red since racing, racing engineering i mean also that, Rick oh racing. yeah yeah and but that's kind of i export last year as well yeah, but it's not full <laughs> And also the Dragon Speed Ligio a few seasons ago with Roberto Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, and, sorry, and sorry. You're right, you're right. I, I apologize. And that was red and green. Fair so enough. So ho- hopefully it'll be real red, and then we'll see if they put a totally not Ferrari prancing horse on the side. <laughs> um, yes, I don't know what the branding is going to be for that. It kind of feels a bit weird. Um, but all the power to them um i don't see that 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 this is properly linked to ferrari or supported with them in any way in terms of you know getting ready for top class racing prototype racing in terms of what we've seen and discussed with wrt um but it's a nice little talking point it's like a it's like a real life easter egg yeah let's Mm. just hope it's not filled with air (laughs) Filled with pain. Uh, 
So that's the 25 car grid. Uh, interestingly, there's a few names that we might have expected that are at this stage missing out. So we were talking up a big tilt at the Asian Le Mans series for Phoenix Racing. They That entry hasn't further materialized for Le Mans. Um, an entry that we've seen uh, in the last two seasons and also in WEC competition and in the ELMS competition in the last few seasons is Cool Racing. Where's Cool Racing? And where's Nicola Lapierre? Well, Nic- Nicola Lapierre is probably going to be in the Alpine because he's been put down in the um, original earlier Portimao um, entry list. Okay. Um, so we'll see about that. Phoenix Racing, they were operated by um, High Class Racing oh. at the Asian Le Mans series. So they may go with uh, Anders Fjord back and kind of piggyback off that okay. because they've got yeah. two separate um, drivers. But they've also put that down as a pro-am. So they on that current entry, as is, they need to find a bronze. Yeah, um, We'll see if they put that together with Phoenix Racing or maybe do some sort of phoenix livery or whatever yeah. so uh, it might be to go with high class phoenix by high class or something like that yeah uh technically yeah and then cool racing they've kind of downgraded um back to elms i think for for this season um maybe the the funding from antonin borger and alexander cornier's changing that sort of thing um i think they were supported by rebellion so maybe oh, okay, rebellion yeah. pulling out uh, of of doing more uh, doing a lot of motorsport things kind of has taken some of the funding away from there maybe um i think uh racing team turkey could have given an, a go uh, with tf sport because they've changed to european le mans series and because the almost ever present saliolic isn't in gtm I thought maybe that he could have taken a punt and and taken Racing Team Turkey based on uh, live chats of racing when there's any Turk in the field. There are a lot of people tuning in and there's a lot of turnover in the comments. So I thought it would have been quite good value to have Racing Team Turkey there in terms of people tuning in. And uh, also another one, maybe Algarve Pro. So we mentioned that they ran the... V drives at the Asian Le Mans series, but also the racing team India. They have they potentially have three cars, so yeah, where, maybe they the could have had another Algarve Pro entry um, for, for that car. Maybe yeah, um, it's it's kind of interesting because I think last year they had a they were running a G drive entry and they also had a separate entry. So the G drive entry was the 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 faster one, of course the. Uh, uh, you know, Roman Rusinov, John Eric Vern, Mikkel Jensen car. Um, but they also had the John Falb, Simon Trummer, Matt McMurray. Maybe G Drive is just paying for branding on both. Yeah, I was just thinking of of, of uh, a third. Yeah, as it were. yeah, I agree. Um, so it's an interesting sort of question to ask there because they do have three. In, well, three as in two G Drives plus another for the ELMS, which is you know they they might be able to maybe able to put that on a reserve list perhaps um mm, the exactly. the the conversation around racing team turkey is a really interesting one because you know you would expect uh you know tds which is 
a pretty well-known team. They run a lot of good cars. Uh, the reigning GTEM champion for Le Mans, uh, you know, a new team with with great marketing potential. It, it surprises me. It significantly surprises me that that has not materialized for an LMP2 entry. Yeah, um, as we've said in chat, the, the TF Sport, uh, uh, who I believe are operating it, uh, are quite busy because they're operating the, the D station car yeah. in GTM, which we'll talk about. And they've got the, the other stuff that they're doing in GT. So they might be spread a bit thin. But then on the other hand, um, Pro Drive getting thinner um, with the, the, the Aston Martin racing program. Maybe there could be some guys taken from there well, and then I mean, also you mentioned oh sorry go I, I was gonna say like why wouldn't you prioritize the returning champion <laughs> though that's the thing right uh, sure sure there's d station sure there's uh the other car that they're running which is now keating and we'll, we'll get to all of that but like why wouldn't you prioritize the, the guy that won last year in in class it's it just seems a bit brain dead to me well, prioritizing a new class that you haven't really done much before is quite a big risk. Whereas compared to prioritizing something that you you know you're good at, yeah, um, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, um, one more that I tacked onto that just before we started uh, was Thunderhead by Carlin. Uh, uh, that team seems to have entirely evaporated after earning an entry to last year's Le Mans, which they then didn't take up because of the whole COVID thing. Uh, so that means no Delara's on the entry list, no Jack Manchester, and yeah, it's it's kind of just disintegrated. I, I don't, I haven't seen uh, Thunderhead enter anything since they entered the Asian Le Mans series last year. It's a bit sad. Yeah, it is a bit sad because they were quite a big name. There was a lot of buzz when they announced Carlin uh, to LMP2. Car looks good. Variety of the Delara. It would be nice for them to throw in uh, an entry late to see if there's they can squeeze into reserve list. You know, a reserve list is valuable. Last year, it was there was a lot of churn and um, and by Carlos got into the race. List. Yeah, exactly. So reserve lists are going to be pretty valuable uh, yeah. in a pandemic. Yeah, um, I did have a discussion point here about LMP2M, but we're going to breeze past through because we've already been going for 75 minutes, and so we need to get ahead of the game for GTM and some other discussions we're going to have at the end. So let's jump straight into GTE Pro. Now, this is, very unfortunately, the smallest GTE Pro lineup we have had in my memory of watching Le Mans, which runs back 2009-ish, um, before GTE Pro was even a thing. Um, that is due in part to the fact that uh, we have uh, no Aston Martins in GTE Pro for the first time in my memory, which again, 2008. Um, we only have an uh, additional unexpected quote-unquote car from Porsche. So Porsche will be running three cars, the two WEC cars for the full season entries, plus the WeatherTech racing car, which is currently running in IMSA. Uh, we have the two cars from AF Corsa for Ferrari, and two cars finally for Corvette uh, coming back with the C8 after missing last year. A few talking points in this class. Firstly, the lack of entries. We talked about it. Like, that kind of sucks. But there's been a bit of a driver reshuffle through this class. So Nick Tandy is not in a Porsche. He's in a Corvette. Uh, Alex Sims and Nicky Katzberg, not in BMWs, in Corvettes. Daniel Serra and Miguel Molina are stepping up to the full season drive in AF Corsa. 
Uh, and then we have no clue what's happening with uh, whoever Cooper McNeil gets. <laughs> Few question marks here. Yes, it's it's a bit weird. Uh, well, usually the the WEC entries that just have two drivers leave the third slot empty when yeah. the entry list is added. But usually we we don't have a, a pro a GT Pro entry with just a silver. <laughs> put on it it is um, very odd yes it does feel very strange um something else that that feels a bit strange still is neil jarney in, in gt yeah um it it doesn't feel it does, still doesn't sit like it it feels normal yeah i don't know about you but um being a porsche boy but um it yeah it does feel a bit weird yeah, and and I guess part of that is due to the fact that like because Porsche has downsized their factory involvement in GTE, um, especially over in the states, uh, and the downsizing of the LMH or the LMP1, but that's going to happen again with the LMH. So I don't know uh, LMDH rather. So I don't know where they're going to go with that. But it looks like a lot of these former drivers have taken other opportunities. So as we mentioned, Tandy has jumped pond to Corvette. Earl Bamber is now running his own race team with Hardpoint in the US and a few cars in Carrera Cup Challenge in Australia and New Zealand. Um, uh, Pat, uh, Kevin Est is in LMP2. So there's been a, a, a significant turnover in the drivers. Sorry, not Kevin Est, Patrick Pile in LMP2. So there's been a significant turnover in drivers in the Porsche stable. Um, so it'll it'll be a bit weird. I, I yeah, I still can't wrap my head around Johnny in a in a GT car or Tandy in a Corvette. That's wrong. That's just wrong. Yeah, it's going to be a bit weird. Um, another thing that's going to be a bit weird. No Aston, no pro Aston Martin effort. Uh, that hasn't been the case in a long time. Uh, how are you holding up as a true defender of the British racing green? A single tear <laughs> is rolling down my cheek, as as you describe it. Uh, stiff upper um, lip, old chap. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, yes, it's sad. Uh, earlier in the week, I was driving past Pro Drive and uh, um, their facility, and it was a bit. It was a bit sad. Um, thinking of what could have been but anyway um i digress um just quickly on that note before you digress it is very interesting looking back at the aston martin program now and a thought that i just had is did any driver in that program really stamp their name on anything or improve or put in a hero stint that you can remember because honestly i look at those drivers and the I don't really remember anything. No respect for Nicky Team. Oh, I mean, the disrespect. Team isn't as the good cheap. as everyone says he is. He's just popular there. I said it. <laughs> uh, I was more thinking like Alex Lynn, Harry Tinknell. You know, these guys are were meant to be the next big things in GTE racing, especially Lynn, who like came off an incredible season in uh, the DPI and the Cadillac. And then was going to be the like huge. Was going to be the next Vantor. Was going to be the next Bamber. Was going to be the next Daniel Sarah. And then just kind of went nowhere in that Aston, despite you know winning races and. Uh... Oh, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, any no. other <laughs> ma- any other major talking points in 
in GTE Pro before we move into the glut that is GTE Am? Um, Ferrari's going to win because they announced a Le Mans hypercar uh, program. Uh, but, there I said it. But Porsche announced a LMDH program. Yeah, but the ACO don't, doesn't give a shit. Oh, yeah, fair. That's a good point. <laughs> it's, it's a Le Mans hypercar. <laughs> it's their baby. <laughs> Rather than some adopted thing that they say it's their baby, but it's not quite. I mean, yeah, the hyper, uh, LMDH is a means to an end, but that's an, that, again, is another whole different, whole different of worms. can of worms. Yeah. GCEM. 13 full season WC entries. That is a big grid. I, grid. I think that's close to the biggest. Is that on par with last season's uh, WEC GTM entry? Is it on par uh, with? As in, as in numbers. I think it's pretty close. I think it might even be more. I, 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 I think seem to recall eleven. Feels last massive. Year. It, it it thirteen feels massive, and twenty four is also pretty damn massive. I think that's also uh, a in embiggening from last year to use a word that has very recently been added to the dictionary that I, I found out today. So we'll go through, I think I think in this case, we'll go through the full season entries plus whatever invites as well, uh, just to kind of keep everything clumped together. Uh, so TF Sport, uh, following on from last year, that car, instead of featuring Sally Yulok in Friends, now features Ben Keating in Friends. So Keating's kind of doing the Cooper McNeil strategy of jumping in whatever car won last championship. Um, and he's got Felipe Fraga with him once again, and a silver of Dylan Pereira. So not Jerome Bleekemolen, because Fraga's now gold. Um, so that's a bit of an interesting transition. Uh, TF Sport also have the auto invite for winning the class last year. Uh, that car at the moment features John Hartshorn. Hartshorn? Hartshorn? I'm not sure about that name. Um, Hartshorn, yeah. Hartshorn. And as you made mention, uh, Dolly, they're also running the D-Station Racing Team, which is a team that we've been familiar with from the Asian Le Mans series featuring Satoshi Hoshino, uh, Fuji Tomonobu, and Andrew Watson. Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, Super GT, uh, a mainstay yes. uh, in, in GT there. Yes, absolutely. And that's a full season entry, by the way, for D-Station Racing. So uh, after dipping his toes in at Le Mans previously and a round at Fuji in the WEC and the Asian Le Mans series, uh, Hoshino's jumping up to full a full uh, sorry full WC season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, yeah, he, he's had some wobbles and... and um, it was in the limelight, unfortunately. Um, but I think he can he can do okay. Um, and Andrew Watson is is a, a, a very very good silver driver here. Yes, um, he was picked up um, originally. He was in at Golf Racing now GR Racing, and was picked up by Aston Martin to be like a factory silver, as it were. So uh, look out for him. They've done a they've done a bit of that, haven't they? Aston Martin. I mean, you can think of Ross Gunn and Charlie Eastwood as some other names that fit that mold. For sure. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a, got the the future as a, a pro factory driver. Uh, he just needs to do a little extra next step up. Yeah, uh, we'll stay with the Aston Martin. Actually, just before we do that, uh, Keating in an Aston Martin. Your thoughts? I mean, he likes moving around, even within the same race going between a p2 and a gt so um he's raced 
Mercedes a lot. He moved to Porsche because they had a seat. Now he's moving to Aston Martin because they've got a seat. I, I think I think the the Keating motto for the last few years is if you can't beat him, join him. Because the last two seasons he's joined the team that's won the Le Mans twenty four hours in class. He's a businessman. Yeah, he's a good use of his money. Exactly, exactly. And if he's got the money to spend, I mean, hey, like, go for it. Uh, we'll stay with the Aston Martins uh, to note the other Aston Martin full season entry. That is, of course, the number 98, Paul Dallalana, uh, the big Canadian bear, uh, as two unlisted drivers at the moment. But you would expect one of them to be filled with Charlie Eastwood, uh, Ross Gunn, or some other uh, factory driver, um, and possibly a platinum like Augusta Farfus, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, um, I hope I hope Dallana breaks his duck at Le Mans. I really want to see him uh, earn a Le Mans victory. Uh, Team Project One are back in the Porsche uh, with two full season WC cars. Uh, one of them has only got Dennis Olsen listed at the moment. The inaugural Intercontinental GT Challenge uh, drivers champion, by the way, Dennis Olsen. Um, and the other car has. Edigio Perfetti and Matteo Cairoli. Um, so that's a carry on from last year. We'll see that one in Mentos colors. Uh, no real surprises there. Uh, hopefully they uh, can improve on their results from last season. Uh, Settler Racing is an interesting uh, drop into the GTM for a full season WC tilt. Uh, running the 47, of course, in a Ferrari, notably not the Dallara anymore. They've retired the Dallara because it was a bit shit. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was a bronze team. Yeah. So make that uh, I, with what you will. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it is a little sad to see, you know, the Italian dream at Le Mans because that was their whole shtick, right? They're an Italian team, Italian drivers. Still an Italian dream. They're yeah, driving a bloody the, Ferrari. I mean, but... <laughs> But everyone's driving a Ferrari. We'll talk a bit more about some weird Ferrari teams that just feel uncomfortable to hear about. But, you know, it it is going to be a little uh, sad not seeing that blue Delara on the grid. The The new car looks cool, though. It's like they tried Ooh, to yeah. they tried to make a Valentino Rossi helmet into an entire livery. It, it's nice. I, I hope they... It, we've seen pictures of it testing and little teasers where it's just a plain, smart blue. And I really like that. It's kind of retro in that it's a kind of single block color but yeah. then modern with the like you mentioned the kind of uh, sharp um, bright numbers and things like that um it's pretty rare. i won't go on to numbers because i think they're horrible but anyway um <laughs> uh only roberto lacourt put down yeah uh in as the bronze um expect maybe cerna giotto um maybe fuoco who was um yes uh, with them and really good at, at Daytona uh, in the P2, but I don't know how he does in, in GTs, but um, they will be unveiling their driver lineup um, soon. TM. Uh, two cars from AF Corsa that we've come to expect every single season. Thomas Floor, Francesco Castellacci, Giancarlo Fischer-Keller in the number 54. The other AF Corsa car is the number 83, Francois Perotto, Nicholas Nielsen, this time with a new silver, Alessio Rivera. Have you heard much about Alessio? No, I don't really know where he's come come from. Maybe okay. um, some Carrera Cup or Italian GT or, or Ferrari like Challenge. 
Yeah. We'll probably. we'll have to do some research in between now and August. Oh, uh, we've got Alex twenty one in the chat saying GT open, so that's a weird place uh, yeah. to find new drivers. Yes. Yeah. But um they know what they're doing finding some uh good up and coming drivers. I mean, we've already mentioned Nicholas Nielsen who's now a fully fledged Ferrari pro. Mm. And interestingly in that, uh, no Emmanuel Collard. Uh, that's that's the end of that driving partnership for Francois Perotto now. Which is a bit sad. Yeah. At least the car looks bloody gorgeous. Though. That that I can agree with. Uh, Iron Lynx have made the step up to WC competition from, G, uh, from ELMS with their two cars from the ELMS. So Claudio Schiavone, Paolo Roberti, Raffaello Maria in the number 60. And then, of course, the Iron Dames who achieved a top 10 in Le Mans last year uh, with uh, Rahel Frey, Michelle Gatting. And interestingly... Not at this stage, uh, Manuela Gosner. Manuela Gosner. So there's a blank spot there. Uh, all of the promotional material I have been seeing has indicated that Gosner is a part of the team, and uh, she was on the entry list for Portimao. Absolutely was. So it's intriguingly, intri- very particularly intriguing that she is not on the entry here. Ilinx also have another car, an automatic entry thanks to winning the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, that is the number 80 car, and that features uh, Matteo Cressoni, Rino Mastronati, and Andrea Pacini. So it's a, a pretty strong Italian flavor in that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, a, a broad base, not quite, you know, AF Corsa or United Autosports or TF Sport um, kind of level, but... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the the how the Iron Dames do, uh, to be honest, um, as they s- kind of step up to the the full season wet paddock. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see how they match up against the WEC paddock as opposed to the ELMS paddock because there there is a not insignificant change in quality, and it's not necessarily always a step up. There are some incredible. ELMS GTM teams or GT teams rather but in a much larger class it is going to be interesting to see how they perform uh, Dempsey Proton are uh, back again uh, two cars listed for the full WEC uh, one car has a, has only one driver listed and that's the number 88 with Julian Anlau uh, now 77 we were in, initially going to have Kiwi Chris on this podcast as well and I We'll, we'll, we'll put in his reaction here because this is going to be a big one. Uh, Christian Reed driving with Matt Campbell and adding to that, Jackson Evans. Woo! I'm excited. I'm very excited to see Jackson Evans in a full season WC drive and at Lamar. You have no idea who I'm talking about, do you? I, I recognize him. I'm, I'm just surprised you're whooping and hollering about him and not Matt Campbell. Oh, well, I mean, like, I love Matt Campbell. <laughs> We're Matt... in the same bloody car. Well, I mean, okay, so... The excitement for Matt Campbell, that was huge for me, but that was back in 2019. I, like, cool, well, Matt You're Cam- over him. But... Uh, no, I'm not over him. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not over him, but I'm. it's expected that he's there. So it's not not that it's not exciting that he's there. It's just that it's expected that he's there. Um, Jackson Evans, though, this is a cool story. He's basically been following Matt Campbell's trailblazing footsteps and to see them end up in the same car together. It's going to be really, really cool. They're very good friends. And Jackson basically just destroyed the Australian career cup for like two seasons in a row before getting picked up 
by Porsche um, for the Young Driver program. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see them both together. And then yeah, the the eighty eight the the every year they have random pay drivers. So we'll see who fills those slots. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about that later on because I have a theory around that, and we'll. Uh, We'll talk about that in context with another thing that we're going to talk about a bit later. Uh, We've already mentioned AF Corsa. We've already mentioned Iron Lynx. GR Racing, uh, that's formerly Golf Racing, uh, before Golf pulled their sponsorship halfway through last season. Uh, Listed at the moment in that car is Michael Wainwright and Benjamin Barker. That car last year had Andrew Watson behind the wheel, but we've seen what's happened to Watson now. Uh, So, uh, who do you reckon reckon, uh, might slot into that car? I have no idea, to be honest. Um, it could be someone. Um, it, is, it has like to be a, a silver a Carrera Cup kind of, yeah, like a young Carrera Cup. Uh, ten, um, Maybe I was thinking he would do um, like a Project One because he's got history with that team. Yeah, yeah. But there, there's a broad base of drivers to choose from. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they'll they'll find someone good. Uh, probably yeah. from the Porsche family. There's and there's plenty of drivers to choose from in the Porsche family. My God, uh, Proton a Proton competition also running a third car, running uh, which auto- earned an automatic entry as the ELMS GTE champions for last season. Uh, that car currently has Patrick Long listed and no other drivers. So that's another pair of amateurs that uh, need to, that need to find a home for Proton. Now, normally we see Proton with four cars at Le Mans. I wonder, this is my theory, I wonder if they're running out of customers. Um, well, they have uh, uh, another customer that we'll talk about later that would be a nice uh, addition as a fourth entry. But is he ready? We'll talk about <laughs> Some people may have already cottoned on to who we're talking about. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but Tune it, in next time. It has seemed to be a little bit of a running theme recently that... Proton just kind of gets whoever they can to pay for that entry. You know, last year it was Dominic Bastian in the past. Uh, Dominic Bastian and Horst Felbermeyer, actually, which was very, like, a bit out of nowhere for Felbermeyer. Previously, it was Tracy Crone before he had that massive smash and gave up racing. Um, it, it, it's, almost, it's almost as if they're struggling to find people who have the backing to be able to put a team together for it. Well, yeah, and and you also mentioned we mentioned before Hoshino, who used who did the the, the drive with um, Proton. So, yeah, I I think there there are some drivers that might think they give it a go, but I don't really see any top bronzes out there that that, that are missing. Yeah, um, that that would do it uh, with them. They, I'm sure they have a car. Oh, three. absolutely. I'm, I'm sure they've got four of the new brand new ones so they should be able to put something together for the for the reserve list but uh, it, the the more protons you add the more lower the quality of yeah. the yeah uh, um and kind of random uh bronzes so it it might be the case that they're bloody three bronzes so uh in in a, the last if there was a fourth yeah um, car the Wes makes an, a very pertinent point in the live chat. Proton are running the WeatherTech car, which is something that I had not passed. So that kind of, you know, had the WeatherTech car 
had a bronze in it, that would be a GTE AM car, which makes sense, really. You know, if that was Gunner Jeanette as the, the fourth driver or whoever, whatever. Um, did WeatherTech race at Le Mans last year? They did, but that was with, again, in GTE Pro. So, yeah, I, I guess that kind of rounds off that one. Uh, that might be their fourth car. Maybe. We'll see. Mm. Um, I, and I'll raise this question again later when we talk about uh, some of the cars that are missing or that have changed, because there are a few. So uh, there's a few uh, entries that we haven't quite uh, tacked on who won automatic invites, all of them from the Asian Le Mans series. So we have uh, Inception Racing as the fourth-placed Asian Le Mans series team in the GT uh, category. They are running a Ferrari. So, of course, the McLaren is in the GTE car, so they've jumped into a Ferrari. Brendan Iribe and Oli Milroy in that. Of course, Ben Barnacote surely is somewhere on this entry list, and I haven't just missed him. Surely is somewhere. As of yet, is not on the entry list, so Barnacote's going to have to find a drive somewhere, and it, it may well be in that Inception racing car. Um... Uh, very weird to see Inception racing in a Ferrari. Uh, the third place Asian Le Mans Series GT team uh, has uh, was Rinaldi Racing, so they they've taken up their entry as well. At the moment, that car is only got has only got um, Pierre Array in it, uh, so no full details on uh, on where that car on who else is going to be in that car yet. The second place team, the Asian Le Mans Series GT. Uh, category did not take up that entry. That was GPX. Um, and then the winners of the Asian Le Mans Series GT category, Herberth Motorsport, which have been uh, Porsche, a Porsche team through and through forever, is driving a Ferrari, <laughs> which is so weird. Um, Alfred Renault, the named driver in that car, but I'm honestly uh, quite... St- I don't even know how to react to that. It's 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 shocking. Disgusted. It's just it's just wrong. <laughs> yes. I wonder if they're like if there's going to be any hardline Porsche Herbeth fans that just like don't support them because they're in a quit. Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't don't tempt me, Ollie. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, I wonder where they've been able to pick up that Ferrari from. Maybe they've grabbed a Spirit of Race entry or a Spirit of Corsa one or something because because yeah, yeah or it could be a gt3 that they upgrade this is true or then but then like why would you buy a ferrari gt3 when you've been a porsche team for ages and ages and ages does this signal a change from porsche to ferrari for herberth motorsport long term well probably not i i think the number of gtes that are built is a lot fewer than the number of gt3 ferraris yes um so if you want to get on the cheap uh a car that you don't normally have um, because they usually do GT3 stuff with Porsche uh, and the GT3 is not uh, convertible to the GTE for Porsches, but for Ferrari it is. Yeah, it's much easier to source uh, uh, a Ferrari GTE, um, whether that be a GTE built from uh, uh, as a GTE or, or upgrade a GT3. Yeah. See, this is what surprises me. So, why wouldn't Proton offer that car? Or, or, or you know, there, so, surely there exists a spare chassis somewhere. You know, Core had two cars. Where, where is the other one gone? It's yeah, it's you kind risk, of you risk like that being your spare 
Yeah, um, okay. So, like, a spare is, is valuable, especially when you've got some weird Brontus driving for you. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, okay, fair enough. It, it, it just, it just, it, yeah, it's just surprising to me that, you know, a team that has been such a stalwart, a factory stalwart in lower-level racing, um, that they wouldn't be able to source a, a, a car. It's just, it's just a bit weird. It, I'm going to be very uncomfortable watching that Ferrari. It is going to absolutely wig me out. <laughs> Uh, you might have noticed there we talked about four automatic entries to the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, the Asian Le Mans series GK- GT category was actually the first category that was awarded additional entries underneath the new uh, ACO entry scheme, where where they're based, where the entries for the class for the Le Mans rather are based on the amount of uh, entries in the class. So I think you know it had because the Asian Le Mans series GT class had what nineteen entries or something mental in it. Originally, I don't think all of them turned up because yes. of um, Chinese teams pulling out, which we'll mention in a sec. Yeah, so so they they were as part of that a part of that formula. Um, they have four. Yeah, they had four automatic entries. So there there is a little bit more to unpack here, and we'll go through it as we go through it because there is a bunch of teams that we haven't made mention of yet. In fact, there's four. So the first one is a Porsche that didn't make it to the Asian Le Mans series, but was given an entry regardless, and that is the Absolute Racing Team. Now, these guys have been... I think they were one of the first automatic entries for from the Asian Le Mans series back in, like, 2015 or something. Um, this is a, you know, a long-time Asian Le Mans series team, long, long-time Asian GT team, uh, with Andrew Harianto, which surely must be related in some way to Rio Harianto and Alessio... I think they're brothers, yeah. That would make sense. Um, and Alessio Piccarello from Belgium, which is a, an odd combination for a Chinese-backed car. Yeah, this this one feels a bit weird in that, you know, I've got to stand with what I said about Risi, uh, I think, last year, having not raced uh, a full season for ages. Um, this kind of feels the same way. They decided to pull out of the Asian Le Mans series now. Yeah, it's kind of the powers outside of their hands in terms of a pandemic. But this feels like one of the kind of filler entries later down the the priority list that that maybe would have been put onto the reserves if there was a a bigger number of entries because it's uh, they haven't uh, taken part in. an ACO season. Yeah, well, the the thing that's surprising to me about this entry, most of all, is not that the entry exists, but that they managed to source a Porsche. If 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 Herberth couldn't, then how come Absolute were able to? Does it? Pardon me. Does anyone in the live chat have any information about where that Porsche has come from? Because I would be very interested to learn where that's come from. Uh, almost as much as I'd be interesting to learn where this next Porsche has come from. Um, for Hub Auto Corsa, who. Last season, we're running a Ferrari. We saw them in the Asian Le Mans series running an Aston, Ma- uh, sorry, an AMG, and have now joined the entry list in a Porsche. Um, yeah, which is a little surprising uh, to see. Uh, they've currently got Liam Talbot as the listed driver, the Australian bronze-rated driver, who uh, had a bit of a, a an uncomfortable time in the AMG. He had a, I remember, he, in a good position, he had a spin in race two, didn't really quite get a handle on things after being very, very good in the Ferrari last year. Um, Yeah, Hub Auto Corsa, do you think that's also a bit of a, I don't want to say sympathy invite, but sympathy invite or sympathy entry? I think so. Uh, in terms of the GT3 world, they're quite a 
uh, a well-known name. Um, was it Car Guy or Hub Auto Corsi, the owner of the team that owns a previous generation Porsche GTE? That might be the case that, that it's kind of hardly raced and used as a track day toy. So that might be why Hub Auto has one, uh, has a Porsche. In the, it's like a, a track day toy that they realized, let's go racing with it. Uh, it does feel weird seeing hub auto especially if it's gray and yellow uh to see that not on a ferrari uh to see that on a porsche it was weird um, in the age of Le Mans series even seeing it on an amg yes it was a little unnerving uh yes so we're so gonna have we're gonna have a we're gonna yeah. have a porsche that should be that feels wrong because it should be a ferrari and a ferrari that feels wrong because it should be a porsche Yes, so uh, this is a bit weird, but let's go back to normality with JMW Racing. Yes. Because they've Ferrari through and through. Yes, we um, should, should see them in a, a beautiful yellow Ferrari. Yes, once more. Uh, previous winners, of course, yep. um, of, of the 24 hours in this class. And then also um, Spirit of Race. Yeah, so Spirit of Race, that's the uh, the Duncan Cameron, Aaron Scott, Matt Griffin car. So we've seen that one in the ELMS and british gt and all that sort of stuff as well so uh that's that's pretty unsurprising those those last two entries are pretty unsurprising as far as extra invites go they're they're kind of stock standard i don't want to say filler teams but you know they they're the ones that you always see wanting to be at le mans really um uh, the driver for JMW Motorsports currently listed as Thomas Neubauer with no other drivers listed. Um, that team's been a bit of a revolving door since, um, or oh, I can't remember his name. Winner in 2016 um, for the 24 Hours of Le Mans, I think. Reese Van Tour was there, but who was, uh, who, who was, who was else driving? Was driving? Because that's the, yeah, Robert Smith. He was the the jmw driver i remember being the stalwart in elms and all that uh, as well so, yeah and and they they've got rid of i think the drivers that that recently drove for them in elms was it waylu i can't remember um he had a few um unfortunate moments at the wheel i remember portimao having quite a few bumps <laughs> with other cars Fair so enough. yeah we'll, we'll see who they who they fill the seats with yeah uh, that'll, that'll be That'll be because uh, JMW are a very strong team. So if if you're a bronze yeah. driver looking for a team to maybe take you to a decent finish at Le Mans, JMW is where to go. So that's the... and at least we have a bit of uh, normality with the the uh, spirit of race. Yeah, where they've got their you know perennial drivers. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels like home. It feels yeah, it feels like home to see them uh, together uh, once again. So that is our 24 car GTE AM grid. Uh, is, who do you think is missing? Is there anyone missing from that? Can you think of anyone, any other teams that should be there but aren't? So we have mentioned um, in in our list written down a team that that started to to get comfortable in GTM was Red River Sport. They're never really up there. Uh, but in the in the last round at Bahrain, they were starting to punch a bit above their their weight, as mm. it were. So I think Red River Sport could be on the the um, reserve list here. Yeah, I think they'll definitely have a go. The the I think the the um, the entry is tied to funding from 
uh, an amateur based in the aeroplane uh, travel industry. So maybe there's a bit of trouble funding there. Yeah, but, fair um, enough. Uh, and then another one uh, that we mentioned with Fassbender potentially doing Proton stuff. Yeah. If if there's any time that you can kind of do a soft launch, ease into it behind the scenes as a extra, now would be it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, He's one of the... Dry, he's listed in a Proton car for the LMS, so we're expecting him to be there. Um, The question I have, and a question I think a lot of people will have, is whether or not he's fully ready for a Le Mans tilt. There were times last year in the ELMS where he got himself into situations where a more experienced driver would have had a little bit more nous. Um, I seem to recall an incident at the end of the Paul Ricard main straight where he kind of got freaked out a little bit by a prototype and slammed the brakes on when he maybe shouldn't have and got uh, involved in some contact. Um, so... Maybe another season in ELMS is right for him, but if if the opportunity opens up, he would be in prime position to take that. I think. Yeah, and coming off the end, the the reserve list is kind of maybe pressure taken off. Yeah, a little bit uh, in the narrative, as it were, because no one expects you to to do anything. You're just making up. Yeah, the you're numbers. put on the reserve list for a reason. Mm. You know? Um, I just realised something. A team that definitely missing that we didn't talk about because we should have talked about them, but we missed it. Uh, the second place uh, team in the European Le Mans series last season, Kessel Racing. Uh, they're uh, they're the one car that we missed out of the entry list, uh, and that will be probably dressed up in car guy colours, uh, considering that the list of driver for that car is Takeshi Kimura. Yeah, on the uh, um, entry list reveal, they did do the kind of fluorescent car guy oh, delivery from Asian Le Mans series. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and that kind of uh, puts me into the uh, a dis- discussion point I really wanted to have here is that it it seems to be that there's a strong Asian Le Mans series contingent. Uh, you know, we've got. Absolute Racing, sure, they didn't race the Asian Le Mans Series this year, but that's fine. They're normally in that championship. You know, uh, Inception Racing, Hub Auto Racing, JM, uh, not JMW, Kessel Racing, running the car guy, uh, D-Station Racing, stepping up for a, few se- a full season. The, you know, there's, these are very, very well-equipped Asian Le Mans Series teams putting in a full tilt at Le Mans, and some of them for the WEC. It very much has changed the tone, and of course, Herbert, which we didn't, uh, I didn't say it's kind of changing the tone of the the strength of the Asian Le Mans series because uh, in worldwide motorsports because it wasn't too long ago that the automatic entries from the Asian Le Mans series were kind of trash. Yeah, um, I think opening up to GT3 has kind of opened a bit of floodgates to GT3 teams. <laughs> We've also described how it difficult it is for them to get gt3s out of it uh gtes from yeah uh, um to run it's it's good variety unfortunately a lot of them going to ferraris which takes away the variety but the the teams operating them is good variety i think it's it, it's a sign of things to come and then uh in future then that th- th- the diversification should open up to different chassis rather than just different teams yeah, it's it's good to see. It's good to see the the Asian corner of the motorsport world uh, start to become a, a bit more uh, populated with with teams that can really take a challenge to the 
more contemporary teams that we've seen, particularly in Europe and also in uh, America. Uh, we are, we have already discovered, discussed the weird Ferraris that are strange and confusing, so we don't really need to recap that. So I guess it's a good, unless you have anything else you wanted to add about GTEM, we can kind of finish up. No, I was just thinking maybe we could have had a, another Aston Martin, but that's just being picky. Yeah, it is a little disappointing to see that there's only four Aston Martins on the grid. Porsche are represented by a larger number of cars. It looks like about eight, uh, which would make sense because then Ferrari have 12. So that's 24. This has been maths with Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I More than that, though, I wish that friggin' Ford and BMW released their cars to customers because it's just... Such uh, would have been cool to have, have a, a BMW uh, customer team. Uh, I think Walkenhorst could have um, would from, so be from the Asian Asian Le Mans series. That would be super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if they picked up a, a, a GTE, but I think maybe the powers that be from BMW uh, weren't that happy about. No. Um, yeah, so it's it's really diverse grid. A lot of names that we know already. A lot of teams that we've seen in different parts of the world. It's it's going to be a very interesting tilt at Le Mans. Now we've made mention of a bunch of times that we haven't seen a reserve list and we're waiting on a reserve list. Who would you expect on a reserve list for uh for this year's edition of Le Mans? I I, I think we could see another top class uh, like yep. we did for the last. Um, edition um, we know that a second Alpine could exist yeah. as it were now we only know for sure one has been converted to uh, LMH spec whatever how, however um, um, intrusive that is to the rebellion um, design and what, how much has to be done to change it? It might be prohibitive to to putting together a second Alpine, but you know it's a French entry at Le Mans. They should be able to put together a financial package to run and pay for that. Um, wh- whether that be Orica running it or paying for it or doing things on the cheap themselves. I mean, they've got also. Uh... A wide variety of drivers to pick from, you know, seeing as Alpine is now the Renault team in in Formula One as well. So could we see exactly. Fernando Alonso return to Le Mans? Well, there is a bit of a gaping gap in the driving lineup um, at the moment next to Andre Negrau. Mm. But um, yes, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mighty Lots tasty. People uh, flooding over from um, Formula One. I digress. Um, <laughs> I think siphoning off a little bit of money from Renault to put together a second outfit would be possible. Whether it actually happens, I'm not so sure, but that would be front and centre number one uh, on the reserve list you'd expect. Uh, another one for the top class that's mentioned is a third Glickenhaus. Now, Jim has mentioned that he... Uh, is talking with people for having a customer car. He's said plainly it's possible if you want to come, it'll be about $5 million uh, to buy. Um, 
at the car. I don't know if that would include any sort of support or running or whatever. Or spares. Or spares. Um, yeah. Um, could we see uh, by collars instead of um, making or bodging together their P1 into a, um, a hypercar? Could they uh buy a, a buy collars uh could they buy a glickenhaus sorry could they even just en- enter their lmp1 and do it as a grandfathered thing and just give it a final run yeah i i think we could see one or two top class uh reserves yeah now as for lmp2 just quickly just quickly um, before we move on from that point do you trust glickenhaus's word on potential customers more than you trust Lawrence Tomlinson, for example, who said at one point we have ten possible customers lined up, and you know that happened. Um, and why? And why? I see um, the business proposition uh, being a lot more bulletproof. Um, if you want to go in and buy a car into the top class you're going to be closer to the front of the field. So you're going to be more likely to get something out of your investment than something that was um, less tested in terms of the Janetta uh, because it wasn't run by like a proper outfit. Yes, I have heard a lot of fluffing up of potential sales from Janetta that were not to be. The same could be said potentially from Glickenhaus, um, but I think the, the the world you're getting into is much better in terms of stability from your investment yeah. uh, and, and getting more return from it, yeah, more likely return. I think that's a fair uh, a fair statement, especially if you've already been given a, a you know a flat price straight away. We you know we kind of lost. Well, sold a little bit of smoke and mirrors with Janetta, um, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I just, I just, I just don't want to be heard again is the thing, Ollie. I just don't want to be heard again. Yeah. And if you don't buy a Glicken, uh, a from him, he'll call you out on Twitter. <laughs> Brilliant. So you might as well it. buy it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very big brain to be thinking about by collars, buying a car in like that after they announced the car, then pulled out because they, didn't like the direction the ACO was taking or, or some... I'll take that as a compliment. BS like that. <laughs> yeah. Wild. You do have a big brain. Um, who else do you reckon uh, in the reserves? Um, reserves from LMP2, maybe a Phoenix uh, on their own, as it were. Yeah. Um, I think it's not necessarily a snub or, or, or maybe they didn't want to go for it, but we were talking about WRT going for the Audi um, role, Phoenix, they could also do something there in terms of furthering their name on the, the top level. Yeah, that, that especially after seeing them do pretty well at Asian Le Mans series, it's kind of a bit weird not seeing them here. Yeah, that, um, that's certainly true. Um, uh, a Delara could be interesting. You know, it, we, we can have a random entry from like keo racing or something like that yeah well, the, the thing is who races a delara anymore yeah exactly uh, i know exactly. Keo, i know keo racing has the high, former high class one and then carlin has the the dragon the, the other one that the, from, yeah whatever one that was uh 
Thunderhead. Thunderhead, yes. I think we could see one just have a go because you're, you're more likely to have a go. Um, I mean, O'Reilly has racing. raced the Le Mans, remember? Yeah, weird things happen. Yeah. Um, we we could see something like we mentioned earlier with Racing Team Turkey. United Autosports could put a fourth car in because, you know, they've like earned it as yeah. it were um, Manuel, um, Manuel, 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 Manuel Maldonado uh, has uh, proven himself he's uh, you know did very well winning the championship in the LMP3 category at the Asian Le Mans series earned a P2 drive for the European Le Mans series maybe a worth a shot for a LMP2 drive at Le Mans as well yeah and they they don't they don't necessarily have enough uh orica chassis but they've still got ligiers lying around and you know if you get a cheap option uh, um to get to le mans just to have a go when you're not expecting to yeah. now's the time to just see if you can take a punt yeah that'd be that'd be right uh, the thing is, though, I'm like I'm looking at the European Le Mans series entry list this year, and I'm not really seeing too many names that are on there and are not on the LMP2 entry list for Le Mans. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I think the 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 coverage of of what we've got now, we're kind of clutching at straws. Yeah. Of of P2 entries that aren't there. Yeah. Um, because of the the the, the growth of uh, pro am, and that kind of also seems to be the same story in uh, GT as well. There isn't really anyone on the European Le Mans series list or that is racing in IMSA that isn't already at Le Mans. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Mm. Um, and there is one car that we haven't yet talked about uh, after talking about the reserves and all the other categories, and that is the Garage 56 entry. So we will spend a, a short amount of time talking about this, but it is worth noting. Uh, it is the Association SRT41 team, which has raced at Le Mans before. They raced back in 2016. It is uh, under the innovative car category because it is run by uh, a man called Frederick Sorsay, who is a triple amputee, uh, and he is putting together a car for... Uh, impaired drivers, so drivers with you know missing limbs or other Im- disabilities and stuff like that. So it's going to be run. Um, uh, it's going to be a modified Orica 07 to f- facilitate the drivers. The current list of drivers are Takuma Aoki and Nigel Bailey. Uh, this is a pretty cool project that uh, Sosei's put together. Of course, he was the driver back in 2016. Uh, it was a fully normal. Uh, car uh that he was racing but it had modifications for him to be able to drive it uh including i think one of his limbs actually slotted onto the steering wheel so he could manipulate it and he was operating a a separate set of pedals with his thighs um and then all of these adjustments got taken out for the other two drivers in the car who were uh you know normally abled um i guess is the correct way of putting it um but this is this is going to be a very interesting uh entry to see how they manage different drivers disabilities so yeah props to them for doing it it's cool it's cool to see this sort of stuff at lamar isn't it i think it's brilliant i think it's a good look um to show kids out there you know you can do it um you can go to the, the greatest race in the world and 
uh, I think it's interesting to see the the modifications. I really hope the uh, the modifications to the car. I really hope the the ACO does uh, like a, a deep dive into the team, the academy that they've got, bringing drivers with uh, physical impairments um, through the sport. I hope they they outline you know the work that's gone into to making this car uh, possible uh, to to drive for these uh, drivers, whether that be hand controls, different pedals. Yeah, I think I think it's super cool that the the previous car you mentioned in 2016 was it was kind of like a crane where they would have a pole uh, that two guys either side of the car would lift up and then the driver in the seat would then be lowered into yeah, the so car say, but yeah. because it's an open topped that was an open top Morgan whereas now it's an Orica 07 which is closed topped so um maybe they modify the door uh, somehow to to get a wider opening or 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 something like that yeah it it uh, it'll be interesting to see because like you mentioned there there's a there's a wide range of um impairments um that that the the team has to cater for to fit the driver safely in the car yeah um and and also the drivers in any emergency have to be extracted safely as well yes so that's that's a um, much more yeah. pressing concern as well yeah um yeah just for a bit more information uh, on the drivers in question, both Nigel Bailey and Takuma Aoki are paralyzed from the waist down, so they actually share a, a common impairment, which I guess kind of simplifies things for their tilt at Le Mans. So they they both suffered motorcycle accidents. Actually, is that how they uh, how they uh, I don't want to say earned, but that's the word that came to my head. How they suffered their disabilities. Um, actually, uh, Aoki is a former superbike racer, so that's that's how his sort of claim to fame is beyond uh, beyond this entry. Um, they've been racing in uh, a modified LMP3 Ligier uh, in the Road to Le Mans. Uh, yeah, the Road to Le Mans series. They were meant to race last year uh, with a third driver, which is Ben Musa. Um, but he pulled out of the program this year for personal reasons. So uh, he's been replaced by a driver called, this was announced on Sportscar 365, uh, like earlier in the week. So I think um, driver is um, Francois Hero, uh, who's been an LMP3 race winner in the European Le Mans series. I'm assuming then based on that, that he is... Uh, not disabled and isn't suffering from any impairments. So um, it'll be a combined driver lineup in that respect. Uh, so yeah, it, and the car looks super duper cool as well. It's this awesome red and chrome blue uh, sort of motif going along. So I'm I, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see this project, and I hope that this starts to open up more doors for people for those who have disabilities or have had uh injuries or paralysis or whatever whatever to maybe find their way into sports cars because yeah as you said biggest race in the world and you get to be a part of it also representation matters absolutely um, especially for young people and old people watching uh, at home um i think the logo is really cool as well it's like a little gecko but uh if you zoom in like it, it's, it's only got three legs yeah um i think it yeah it's it, it's a it's a really cool foundation um it's 
good for the sport um and uh, and maybe it's a sign of more things to come in terms of this innovative car category we've got uh, this this car will be racing in ELMS for a few rounds i believe and uh, i think so is the H24 hydrogen car which was oh. previously doing practice sessions for Michelin Le Mans Cup so um yeah hopefully it's a sign of things to come for more uh, things uh, more cars in the innovative car class after we've had a bit of a drought yeah it, it has been a little i don't want to say well it is it has been a little disheartening to see uh, a lack of entries in the uh garage 59 uh garage 59 geez uh, garage 56 entries you know we have seen in the past hybrid cars we saw a high i think the first lmp1 hybrid was a garage 56 entry you know we've seen crazy roadsters we've seen uh biofueled cars we've seen modifications on the delta wing it's it's been a cool uh, little uh, cool project and I think really is one of the shining lights for the ACO in its role as the operators of Le Mans of developing new things for motorsport and for cars in general. That's kind of the point of Le Mans. That always has been the point. It has always been about technological development. So uh, the fact that you have an entire special entry specifically because of that I think is, is really important. Um, so it's good to see it being used. And I think that brings us to the end. Ta-da! Ta-da! Um, something we haven't mentioned throughout this podcast is that we definitely should thank the Racing Line app for their support. We've got to do it at the top of the show, so we'll double down now. Um, make sure that you download the Racing Line app on the iOS store. It'll keep you notified of all the favorite series, all your favorite sessions, and keep your phone buzzing for hours with all the racing that's going on um especially it'll keep you abreast of all the damn calendar changes that keep happening at the moment so if you miss the you miss the news that Le Mans got changed or that the start of the WC got delayed or the fact that ELMS is now starting in uh Barcelona because of the change in the calendar instead of at Paul Ricard it's it'll keep you up to date with all of that and notify you for your choice of sessions so thank you very much to the Racing Line app for sponsoring us and for keeping us going well not that you're keeping us going but for for supporting us on our journey uh thank you very much for joining me this evening ollie uh enjoy a good lunch uh over in over in the uk for us thanks for having me always a pleasure thank you very much to everyone in the live chat for listening along and providing us with many bants and also information thank you very much for listening uh at home and that's it from us i've been michael zelivari peace out RIP your voice. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Far out. After doing soccer today, I am like, no, I have, I have no voice. I just have no voice. I'm just going to lie down in a bath of lozenges.